the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and talk910.com. Your money, your life. This is Rob Black. Welcome in to the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Happy Friday. I get the feeling it's going to be an interesting show, to say the least. I'm not quite sure what the vibe is today. But it's going to be an interesting show. I got tons of content. I wasn't all that pleased with the business content out there today. So I went to some alternative business content. So this won't be the mainstream business content. This will be the alternative business content today. But I need your calls. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Coming up in about, hmm, what is it? A little over roughly 90 minutes from now. 85 minutes from now, we're going to be giving away two shark tickets. Dan Rusinowski was a friend of the show. He's the voice of the San Jose Sharks. You can hear him call the broadcast 98.5 FM every day, every game day. He's given us two of his own seats, which is pretty cool. Now, these are tickets that I've sat in, and they're good $100 seats. So you win these tickets, and uh, I think you've done something good for yourself, if you know what I'm saying. Um, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. You're just have to be the 91st caller coming up in about 85 minutes. More details on this after I interview, uh, Dan, Dan will be on the show coming up at 1115. He's a, a good guy. I don't, I wouldn't even call it an interview. I'd call it banter back and forth, but, uh, that's coming up and this is a pretty easy show to win tickets on. It's, it's pretty easy. This isn't like an FM situation where you're dealing with a hundred thousand kids that are listening to the station. So uh, 800-345-5639, that will be the call-in number. It's not yet. It's coming up in about 85 minutes. But if you want to call the show, do it, 800-345-5639. Another way to get in touch with the show is via email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Um, I'm going to do probably a Facebook segment later today because, like I said, the, the news is very alternative today. If you want to post anything on my Facebook page, I'll get to it today. You can jump to uh, Facebook, go to your Facebook page, log in. And then hit group, I hate Rob Black. Just search for group, I hate Rob Black. And there you will have it. So anyway, let's get forward moving with the show for today. Um, interesting. One of the worst shows on television is one of my first business stories of the day. It's Two and a Half Men. Charlie Sheen is saying that he's done after this season when his current deal expires. Now, this is business, right? So you're saying, what's the business angle here? Is he really done? Or is he just negotiating? CBS has a deal with Warner Brothers, which makes the show for another couple of seasons, meaning that in theory, Sheen has some leverage. He's already the highest paid sitcom star. Get this. How much do you think Charlie Sheen makes per episode of that god-awful show, Two and a Half Men? $800,000 an episode. Like, you know, they say mom and dad don't let your kids grow up to be cowboys. I'd say mom and dad, teach your kids how to be crappy sitcom stars because $800,000 an episode, 23 episodes a year, you do the math. That guy is making a good, what, $10, $14 million a year? 
That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So with all the legal issues that Sheen is facing, one would think that a paycheck's probably pretty important. You know, he did a battery issue on his wife. And I don't know. That's, that's an odd way of negotiating. I've never negotiated that way. I've never tried to use the big leverage. I've never gone behind people's back and backstabbed them. It's just not my angle. It's just not my angle. So, you know, yesterday we were talking a little bit about the iPad and Modern Family. And my intern, you know, lovely Laura Beth comes in and she's just, you know, as, as cute and spry as can be, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, so to speak. Uh, she watches Modern Family and she, I, I was like, I wonder how much iPad, Apple had to pay for that. You know what they had to pay for it? Take a guess. Take a guess, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think Apple had to pay for Modern Family to be featured in a whole episode a whole episode. Nothing. They did it for free, which has got to make executives pull their hairs out. Just like we could have charged Apple thousands of dollars or we could ask Microsoft for millions of dollars to counter program that. So modern family, they got their hands on a couple of iPads and uh, that's all they got. You know, they got to have us talk about an episode. So it's huge advertising, I suppose. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of product placement, and it was egregious product placement, um, but no money changed hands. Now, here's the problem. There is a perception that money changed hands. So the network will come across as looking like, out like they'll sell out their, their morals. You know, for instance, I work in a news station, and one of the things that we did uh, in the last three years, because there's not a lot of money in TV anymore. If you're not, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, if you're not in a, a dominant market position with dominant market shows to back up your, your news, we sold out to some infomercials where, you know, they'll, you know, they'll put a five minute segment in of a spa and it, you know, it'll look like, Hey, you know, here's this great idea coming up for uh Valentine's day's weekend. And it's a paid for spot. It's not like a great idea that's coming up for Valentine's day weekend. It's a paid for spot. So eh, bosses over at TV probably don't appreciate me saying that, but you know, it's honestly true. You always hide behind the truth, and I think everyone knows that. That a lot of news, in fact, are starting to, you know, uh, uh, pay to play, so to speak. Like there's shows like Eye on the Bay that they get paid money to go to some of those restaurants. They get paid money to go to some of those resorts. Um, it's not a freebie, so it's it's not the best idea that they can come up with. It's the best idea that came to us with a, with a paycheck. So the business of television is very, very odd. Two and a half men star Charlie Sheen, eight hundred thousand dollars an episode, and it's the worst show on TV. They say that they're going to do a spinoff of the show because everyone loves midgets. You're not supposed to call midgets midgets. You're supposed to, I, I think you're supposed to call them dwarves or little people. So they're going to come out with a show of uh, midgets, and it's just going to be two half people. So two half-sized pints. It's teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny. Um, what else is out there as far as content goes today? Uh, good editorial. A really good editorial in Variety today. And, you know, I'll read, like I said, before you even wake up, I've gone through three to four newspapers um, trying to get content for you. Good story. You know, you're seeing the commercials for Clash of the Titans, right? You can't possibly watch television without seeing Clash of the Titans, 3D movie, 3D movie. And in this 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 article is very editorial, and it basically was saying one one big mistake that we're making is Avatar was a movie that was envisioned as a, as a planet Pandora that had a, a, a lush environment. And part of what James Cameron wanted to do was to show you that lush environment and the, the beauty of lushness. And that's why he used 3D. It wasn't a gimmick. It was, it was used to really sell the, the, the lushness. 
Well, the movie uh, Clash of the Titans doesn't exactly need 3D. So there's an article in an editorial basically saying, why are so many movie companies rushing and falling over each other to come out with 3D movies? Because basically it's just going to make a bad movie worse. Pretty interesting point, right? Now let's stay in Hollywood, but let's talk a little bit of money. John Malkovich. A lot of people say John Malkovich is my favorite, favorite actor of all time. He's quirky. He could play mean. He could play loving. He could play funny. A lot of people love him. He's seeking $2.3 million from Bernie Madoff. That's right. He's one of those people that invested money with Bernie Madoff. Now, the trustee who's liquidating Madoff's firm in the wake of the biggest U.S. Ponzi scheme ever, he said, you know, John Malkovich, I'll give you $670,000, not $2.3 million. He says that Malkovich isn't entitled to more than what the actor deposited. Now, there's the crazier up. So Malkovich deposited $670,000. He's asking for $2.3 million because that's what Bernie Madoff told him he had. So Bernie Madoff made up numbers. So Malkovich is seeking to recover $2.3 million from the account he had with the firm. Um, biggest Ponzi scheme ever. Now, again, it's kind of weird to think that you're entitled to an extra, what is that, another $1.5 million in, in profits, even though Bernie Madoff never bought a stock ever. He never bought a security. So uh, John Malkovich, I guess he's showing some pretty big cojones there. Uh, I don't think he's going to win it. <laughs> He wants the fi- the full amount on his final statement that he got from Bernie Madoff. So, I don't know. Interesting little stories out there today. Now, I, I think the big story is, if I were to do a big business story of the day, it's payrolls in the United States. They rose 162000 last month. Hold on. Wait, wait. Let's stop and think about that for just a second. What did I say? Payrolls rose 162000 That means we're creating jobs, Right. That's that's good. That's good news. Now, these are figures out of the Labor Department today. The March increase included 48,000 temporary jobs tied towards the census, as well as jobs gained in manufacturing and health services. There's a lot of good news in the report. Now, clearly we're on a path to recovery, but it's going to be about the year 2016 before we get to acceptable levels based on this. So it's moving in the right direction. It's just not a big move in the right direction. Average work week for employees on private non-farm payrolls picked up a little bit. We jumped from 33.9 hours in February to 34 hours. So the average American's working 34 hours a week, which is interesting because don't you all, I mean, when you hear about other people working, don't you assume everyone works 40-hour work weeks? You kind of assume that, but uh, a lot of people punch the time clock and time clock's telling us 34 hours. And the uptick in the average work week also being held out as another marker that suggests hiring activity should pick up in the coming months. When you're getting the uptick in hours worked, at some point in time, your boss says, you know what, I can't keep pushing people 35, 36, 37, 38 hours a week. They're going to break down, so I'm going to hire someone instead. So the unemployment rate held steady at 9.7%. Year over year, the average hourly earnings have risen about 1.8%, which is nice. If you strip out inflation, it's up one half of 1% year over year. So that limited income growth will continue to act as a restraint on consumer spending, and consumer spending drives our economy, and a driven economy helps create jobs. Now, the number of people who are on long-term unemployment, this jumped in March. So, again, the employment number looks good on one level. Hey, we created jobs. But on another level, an average person who's been unemployed for the long term, not the average person, there's 6.5 million of them. 
up from 6.1 million in February. So 44% of all workers who are officially counted as unemployed have been out of work for 27 weeks or longer. Do the math on 27 weeks. What's that come out to? Seven months? Almost seven months? That's crazy. Can I, that's why you have to have an emergency fund of between two to six months. Typically, we're not unemployed this long. So now you wish you had six months of emergency fund, six months of your income. That's what emergency fund's there for. So you can bridge the gap in between the time you lose his job. It's, emergency fund's not there for TVs. Emergency fund's not there for Hawaii. It's there in, to, in case you lose a job. Now, the so-called real unemployment rate, these are people who are unemployed, plus people who are just marginally employed, and they want more, more work, more hours. That rate in the United States, 16.9%, which basically means one out of every six workers is either unemployed or underemployed, and that's bad news. What do you think about these numbers? What do you think about Charlie Sheen getting $800,000 an episode? Is that not a travesty? 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black's show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Working in a coal mine. Woo! Slip down. Working in a coal mine. Going down, down. Working in a coal mine. Woo! Slip down. Sports cars and women are expensive. With Rob's help, you can afford them. You're listening to The Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Women are expensive. Not, And I can endorse spending money on a lovely lady. I can't really endorse spending money on a car. I really can't. Now, if you're worth, if you're pulling in 300000 and you've socked away enough for retirement, if those two things are the truth, then yeah, you can go out and get an expensive car. Just, I think... Uh, we live in silly ways, especially people who make under 100K and they're driving Mercedes and BMWs. It's, it's inappropriate. It, it's a lot like the person who's making under 100K buying a $600,000 house. It's inappropriate and it's going to get you in trouble down the road. You're going to find out that you didn't save enough and you're in trouble and or you're going to find out, well, you're going to find uh, that you know your, your retirement's not as nice and attractive as you remember and that BMW will long be in the junkyard. I have two pretty interesting stories to play off here, and I think I'm going to go with story number one versus story number two. A lot of people don't like big business, because I can invite you to call in on this story. 800-345-5639. Open phone lines. 800-345-5639. A lot of people don't like big business. And for instance, people go Walmart. You know, they kill the mom and pops out there. You know, uh, they sell more records than anyone else in the world. They They sell more DVDs. Like, that's kind of crazy. They're, they're pretty powerful. Now, again, they don't sell more music than Apple, but they sell more CDs than Apple. So they're a powerful company. If you were to add up all their sales, they're bigger than number two, three, four put together. Now, last year, I think my effective tax rate was about 17 to 18% after I got done with all my deductions. Last year, Walmart's tax rate, after they got done with all their deductions, was 34.2%. They had sales of $401 billion dollars. They had income out of that of $20.9 billion. So if you invested in Walmart, you're an owner of the company. They made $20 billion, almost $21 billion last year, which is pretty attractive. They paid $7.1 billion in taxes. That's an effective tax rate of 34.2%. Now, keep in mind, they did sales worldwide of $1.2 billion. So they're an international company. They're huge. They're huge. So 34%, how does that make you feel? Is 
Walmart paying their fair share, or do you want them to pay more? A lot of people, you know, ah, big business, screw them. I, I want them to pay more. So let me give you another example. ExxonMobil. ExxonMobil, and Walmart's the biggest company in the world as far as sales go. So, so that's why I threw that one out to start. Let's do a, a, a second big one in the United States is ExxonMobil. They did $311 billion in sales. $311 billion in sales. Their income last year was $35 billion. Now, interesting, right there, Walmart makes $100 billion more in sales per year, and they pull in $15 billion less in profit. So as an investor, per sale, Exxon's much more profitable. You're learning a lesson here. Go with me on this. Now, Exxon paid $15 billion in taxes. They paid twice as much as Walmart, even though they had $100 billion less in sales, but they did have $15 billion more in profits. And they only paid $8 billion more in income taxes. You know what ExxonMobil's tax rate was, if you, if you factor this out? Their effective tax rate was 47%. $35 billion in profits, $15 billion in taxes. Now, I say ouch to that. I'm not saying I feel bad for Exxon because they got something the world needs, oil. I'm not saying I feel bad for them, but I appreciate, I appreciate these numbers. Chevron, pretty similar to Exxon, 43% tax rate. $8 billion in profit off $172 billion in sales. So if you were to compare Exxon to Chevron, Exxon's almost twice, almost twice the size in revenues and definitively twice the size in profits. So number four company on this list is General Motors, General Electric. Now, to give you a little perspective, they just did $150 billion in sales. Walmart, $400 billion. Exxon, $300 billion in sales. General Electric, $157 billion. Now, that's a lot in sales. We're not going to knock them on that. Now, their income last year was $10.3 billion. So out of the big four so far, they're the smallest profits. They're tiny almost. They're minuscule almost. Their income taxes, what do you think they made? They made $10 billion in profit. What do you think their income taxes were last year? Zippy. None. They paid none. Their tax rate was free of charge. Their financial services unit, GE Capital, they keep the overall tax bill so low. Over the last two years, GE Capital has displayed an uncanny ability to lose lots and lots of money in the United States, and yet it makes money, big, 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 big money overseas, where taxes are a lot lower. Again, it tells you that GE, they do some financial engineering. Does that piss you off? Does that make you happy? A couple more on this list, AT&T, $123 billion in sales. Their tax rate was about 32, 32%. They made income of $19 billion. Now, here's one of the reasons I like AT&T. They made, they made $19 billion last year. You know, if you, if you divide that every three, three months, they make about $4 billion a quarter. If you divide that, that's about a billion plus dollars in profit per month. You want to own some of these stocks that I'm talking about. Bank of America, $4.4 billion in profit last year. Eh, but they didn't pay any taxes. The financial services companies, they obviously had some big losses that they wrote off. A lot like you. If you have an investment loss, you could write it off on your taxes. But they paid no taxes last year because of deductions, $860 million in tax-exempt income, $670 million in low-income housing credits, $600 million on you know, loss on shares of foreign subsidies. So you see where I'm going at with that. Ford Motor, they made $3 billion in profit. What do you think their tax bill was last year? 2.3%. Just... 2.3%. Hewlett-Packard, big Bay Area tech company, they land where I landed my taxes. Their, their tax rate's about 18.6%. Now, again, that's due to very low tax rates in foreign countries. 
Now, there's, there's another argument that you and I should have. Are these tax rates fair? Should they be flat? Should they, I mean, why is HP doing 18.6? Ford getting away with 2.3. Why is AT&T at 32? Exxon's at 47% of their profits are taxed. Why? 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 And then I, I use the statement where HP did really well because of low tax rates in foreign countries. Where do you think, where do you think HP wants to do more business? In the United States with higher taxes or in, in foreign countries with lower taxes? So HP says that they're in their annual report that Obama's proposals to end tax deferrals on international operations would mean a big tax hike. That's a big issue. Um, Verizon, 10.5%. Now, again, let's compare Verizon 10.5% to AT&T, 32.4%. Feels weird, right? These are things that you need to know about investing before you invest. Verizon's low tax rate was tied towards a, a wireless joint venture with Vodafone, which draws a lot of their Verizon's income, so a little bit different. Cardinal Health and McKesson Health, these are two very big healthcare companies. Uh, They're pulling in about 31% and 22% tax rate. So corporate America's all over their tax rates, right? Maybe you saw that coming, maybe you didn't see that coming. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. How do you feel about corporate taxes? Do you think they should be higher or do you think they should be lower? I personally would like corporate taxes lower because they spur job growth. The more profitable a company is, they, they tend to take that money and invested in either equipment, which we manufacture, someone manufactures, and or they invested in people. And those are both good things. Let's go to Jim in Petaluma. Jim? Hey, Jim. Hi. Hi. Bob? Yeah. Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, I've got an appointment at 1130 to get my taxes done by H&R Block. What do you think of them? I think they're a fine company that does taxes and... Yeah. You know, just make sure that they're aggressive with your deductions and make sure that they, they know what you did and didn't do last year. The more information you give them, the better they'll do your taxes. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I got no problems with H&R Block. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot. So, good luck. You take care. Bye. 800-345-5639. Coming up on the show, I got a little bit of business time for you. A little bit of business time. I'm going to have some stock tips later in the show. I'm got Dan Reese. Oh, did I mention in one hour? One hour from now, 60 minutes. 60 minutos, which is, I think, uh, Swedish for minutes. Minutos. Um, can you give away two pairs of shark tickets? Or one pair of shark tickets? Dan Rusnowski's very own seats. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rebel Action, 910 AM. More stimulating tech. is the relentless pursuit of financial perfection. Get in on it. Keep listening to The Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Hi. It's me, Robert. Who are you? Did anyone answer? 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800 800- 345-5639 to get your calls in there. Only 54 more minutes until we give away Dan Rusinowski's very own shark tickets. It's kind of exciting. Only 29 more minutes till we do headline news. So right here, right now, let's do a little bit of business news. Oh, yeah. It's business time. It's business time. It's business. It's business time. That's what you're trying to say. You're trying to say, let's get down to business. It's business time. So this is from Planet of the Con Cards. Which I'm not quite sure how to explain it. It's kind of like Benny Hill 
in a way. It's kind of nothing like Benny Hill. It's kind of like foreign comedy, British comedy, and yet not British comedy at all. I think they're from New Zealand or something like that. Uh, long story short, it was a show on HBO, and uh, they're wacky, entertaining train wreck. And it all ultimately, it feels pretty good when you ultimately give some of your time to them. Big stories in, in the world of business today. How do you feel about this one? And I just did a story on corporate taxes. And uh, someone sent me an email and said, Rob, uh, if Exxon's paying almost 50% in taxes, why are, why are we doing cap and trade, which is also known as cap and tax? It's a pretty good question. It's a pretty good question. I mean, they're already paying through the nose. 50% tax rate? Even you have to think that's high. Even you who hates oil companies. Elsewhere, though, in the world of business, and this one, this is one that pushed my button. I saw this morning. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, because if I didn't see the story, I would never have thought about it. But I saw the story. So here it is. The Federal Aviation Administration, also known as the FAA, they're going to lift a ban on airline pilots taking antidepressants under certain conditions. On a case-by-case basis, the FAA will allow pilots to take one of four antidepressants if they've been uh, satisfactorily been treated with a drug for 12 months or more. So right there, I'm like, okay, you, you don't mind depressed pilots flying as long as they've been depressed for a long time. That's kind of, you can't be depressed for the short term, it sounds like. So you have to be on the drug for a long time for them to approve it. You could use Eli Lilly's Prozac. You could use Pfizer's Zoloft. You could use Forest Laboratory Alexa and Lexapro and or their generic equivalents. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. If I didn't see the story, I would have felt fine you know, saying hi to my pilot next time I get on the airline. Now I'm almost like, hey, you depressed, dude? Because if you're depressed, I don't want to step on your airline. I don't want to be your, your, your final uh, statement on the earth. So <laughs> anyway. Uh, now, here's a twist on that. Eli Lilly's Prozac's been around a long time. Pfizer's Aloft's been around a long time. Ford's Laboratories, Selects have been around a long time. And they all have different pros and cons as far as their medical reactions that they cause in people. Um, but what's interesting to note to me about that is we eat antidepressants like they're candy. We just pop them in our mouth. I, would, I once took uh, Force Laboratory Selexa, and it was crazy. I took it for about two weeks, and I, I had to get off of it because... I sat there and I was watching television and I was watching a commercial of like a little girl going off to elementary school and dad holding her hand. And I started crying. It just, it made me like, I got teary eyed. I'm like, that little girl's going to grow up to be a beautiful woman. And that's not a raw black emotion in any way, shape or form. Have you ever taken an antidepressant and dropped it and quit it? Have you ever quit an antidepressant because it made you feel something almost too, too happy or too weird? 800-345-5639 is 800-345-5639. Tell me your stories. I need some phone calls. Intent, wink, wink, not judge, book, book. Okay, the average rate for the 30-year mortgage, it's above 5% again. So it's 5.08% this week. And that puts the average at its highest level since the first week of the year. So the Fed Reserve is going to take away their purchasing, a program where they purchased $1.25 trillion in mortgage-backed bonds. And they're taking that away. These were bonds that were issued by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and other government-sponsored agencies. Our government's basically underwriting the housing industry right now. They're, they're, they're getting away from it, and they're saying, we're going to back off a little bit. We're going to let private corporate America do it. Now, corporate America is going to ask for a little bit more return on investment than, say, the government does. The government's there to help people. Corporate America's there to make maximum profit uh, without hurting their shareholders. So they're, they're probably not going to be doing any subprime loans anytime soon. Now, reflecting concerns that inflation may reemerge because the economy is showing signs of recovery, long-term interest rates have been moving higher. Now, interest rates on bonds and, and mortgages move higher and or lower based on where do we think inflation is going to be. 
So we we tend to think inflation average is two to four percent a year, and your mortgage at five percent, government's making out by about one percent on lending that money, two to four percent. So they're making somewhere between two, one one and three percent, probably. Right? Now, if inflation goes up 10, 13, 14, 15% and it spikes, they've tied up the money with you at 7% or 6% for the short term, for the long term. They made a bad investment. So the 30 year treasury, the 10 year treasury, it tends to reflect something at what we think at inflation is going to be plus 1 or 2%. So higher interest rates are kind of a good thing because inflation happens when? Inflation happens when the economy is going well. Inflation tends not to like McDonald's isn't going to say that that five dollar Big Mac is not going to be a ten dollar Big Mac in a bad economy. They're going to they're going to cut the cost of it. So inflation on on rates tends to happen when we think the economy is picking up. So I'm happy about seeing a five percent mortgage rate. I'm kind of sad if you haven't got a mortgage rate yet under five percent because we may never see that again in your lifetime. Again, I say your lifetime is age 20 to 60. Before that, you're really not financially aware of anything. And after that, you're basically trying to live off your savings. And you're not financially, you know, proactive. So I don't know. So interest rates moving a little bit higher. I think it's worthy of note. Elsewhere, netbook sales have started to lag. Now, why why am I doing a story on netbook sales? Why do you think netbooks would start to lag? Remember last year, the big thing was the netbook. I bought a netbook. It's a teeny, teeny, tiny little netbook, notebook computer. It's a lot easier for me to lug around and like use at the gym. That's my whole goal. I use it at the gym. Check up on emails. Things along those lines. Now, the sales growth of the mini laptops started to fall apart in the first three months of this year. Why do you think that might be? Apple's iPad. It's helping cool the computer industry netbook fever. So Chief Executive Steve Jobs, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I keep talking about Apple. It's like the Rob Black and Apple show. I know. I know. Is it Fiona Apple? No. It's, it's Steve Jobs' Apple. He's made no secret of his disdain for the netbook. You know, he says netbooks aren't better than anything. They're just cheap laptops. And he's kind of right. But most of us only need a cheap laptop. We don't need the computing power of a computer in any way, shape, or form. Most of us just, you know, chuckle at YouTube videos and check our email in life. You know, we're not doing high-end spreadsheets. We're not doing high-end, uh, you know, movie conversions. We're not doing video editing. So we don't need the high-end. So on one level, I think Steve Jobs is kind of kind of goofy. I think he's, you know, making fun of something that, you know, it's cheap. A $200 little computer to check your net, uh, email, That's I think that's a lot better than a $600 tablet. So netbook shipments to, to retailers in January expected to grow 33% from last year. Now, hold on. Didn't you start off by saying, Rob, netbook sales are, are slowing? I know. It's the hottest new category. So netbooks range from $200 to $500 in price. And during the, the roughest times of the economy, netbooks did really, really well. In large part because people were like, I don't know if I want to commit to a $1,500 note, note, notebook computer. I'll do a $500 netbook. That's my commitment because I don't know when I'm going to get a job again. So now why? where's the business angle on this? Rob, you're just talking tech. You're just talking tech. Well, clearly Apple. A lot of de- uh, less demand for iPads are tied towards, I'm sorry, less demand for netbooks are tied towards more demand for iPads. This iPad's going to be big. It's, it's, it's not going to fizzle like net, uh, Apple TV. It's not going to be the greatest thing ever since the iPhone, but it's going to be pretty big, I think. I think it's going to work for them. I think you're going to start seeing them around. I think it's a sign of like, hey, ladies, I've got money. And for ladies, it's like, hey, guys, I'm hip and stylish. I, I just, I think it's a sex symbol. I, th- I think that the iPad is a sexy symbol, and I think that's 
why people have them. Like, for instance, if you're working out at the gym right now and you see someone with a non-iPod player, you go, ghetto, ghetto, person can't afford an iPod, ghetto. So same thing, same thing going forward. I think it's kind of a sex symbol. Uh, I could be totally wrong, but I don't think I am. Now, who are some of the investments that, that have plays here? HP, they make netbooks. Dell, Acer. How about Intel? Intel, they make what's called the Atom chip. The Atom chip is used in most netbooks, and they, they're declining sales of netbooks or slower sales of netbooks. It's going to you know, rub a little off their forecast. Now you're saying, Rob, but yesterday you told me that Intel's got a new server out and that that was a good thing. Well, see, that's the whole thing. You have to build a case on a company. Yesterday's news was good. Today's news is a little bit less so for Intel. You see where I'm trying to go with that? Coming up, the NBA, the National Basketball Association and money, as well as your emails, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. In about 45 minutes, giving away Dan Rusnowski's very own pair of shark tickets. More on that later in the show, but coming up now, the NBA and your emails. It's Rob Black Show. Get your calls in there. Please, please, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. Oh, yeah. It's business time. It's business time. It's like finding a 20 in your inside coat pocket. All right, well, actually, it's more like finding a 10 in your inside coat pocket, but it still feels pretty good. It's the Rob Black Show on 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. What's on your mind? Pick up the phone and give me a call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. Let's go to Carl in Petaluma. Hey, Carl, how are you? Hey, happy Friday. Hey, so I got a question for you, Rob. It's a little Fonzie of you. Well, you know, I figured uh, I figured I'd liven up your life a little bit. You remember Fonzie? Oh, absolutely. He's I'm a contemporary. Henry Winkler, mm-hmm. a 40 year old man playing an 18 year old teenage kid. Had some uh, hootspur there, didn't he? <laughs> I think America was kind of stupid, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> Are you telling me that America has changed since then? I, I don't know. It's, it's probably one of those good radio show topics of what's the most ridiculous casting you've ever seen. Like most of those Melrose Place shows where the people are supposed to be 21, they're all 30. Yeah. It's just Hollywood makes the women very, very tiny. They're all five foot tall. All the guys are five foot tall. They're just tiny. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm off topic. Get me back on topic, Carl. So uh, Roth IRA conversion. Uh, person is in a 15% bracket. Is it worthwhile for them? Or is that something you have to get more get more minutiae to, to determine? Yeah. Well, are you in retirement already, Carl? Yeah. Okay. And what's your spending like, would you say? I'm pretty frugal. I'm, okay. uh, I'd am i say I'm a, well, about six months out of the year, I'm a net saver. The general wisdom is that you shouldn't convert. It's a little too late. The conversion's meant for younger people mm-hmm. is the general conventional wisdom. Okay. Um, you're already in a low tax bracket. You're you're kind of frugal. I think if you were to say, Rob, I think in five years from now I'm going to buy a two hundred thousand dollar RV. Maybe you go ahead and convert two hundred thousand, and you just keep the rest where it is. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. if you feel comfortable. But then again, you're paying the taxes now, and you only get five years to recoup and, and grow it tax deferred before you get to get in tax free. So. Okay. I'm not positive I would do it. If okay. you have anyone you trust, like a CPA um, or a CFP, you might want to run your scenario to you know make sure that I'm not missing something, uh, i.e., are you wildly wealthy? 
Um, are you paranoid that government taxes are going to go from the 15% tax bracket to the 90% tax bracket? Uh, it depends on where you are and your, your, you know, uh, tax thought process for the future. Uh, because I would look like a fool, Carl, if I told you don't do it. And then Obama, you know, next time he, he says, I hate old people. I'm going to tax them 50%. Um, that might, you know, sway your thoughts. So I don't really have a good answer for you. But thanks for the call, Carl. Good thoughts. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. So 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's do a little NBA talk because I find this story to be intriguing. Now, you know, sports kind of lost its love when everyone starts getting paid, right? Um, the NCAA basketball tournament, for the record, I came in third, third in the number of total right picks. Uh, I think I came in second, but overall I came in third because I had Kansas. I had Kansas and Kentucky screwed. So I didn't do so good in my bracket because of that. Um, anyway, so I like college sports and I love the NHL. I dig soccer because it's a great sport, and it's a sport that's underappreciated as far as team sport goes. I like team sports typically more than individual sports. I love the NBA during the playoffs during the final three minutes. That's all you have to watch. You don't have to sit there for two and a half hours. Only You just have to watch the last 10 minutes um, or the last two minutes, which will take you typically about 20 to 30 minutes to watch. So anyway, U.S. basketball managing director, a guy named Jerry Colangelo, he said, something to LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. Both of these guys are just massive NBA stars and they're leaning towards skipping the 2010 world championships and they don't really have a good approved alibi, like, like an injury, like, Oh, I'm trying to rest my, my ankle. I have bad ankle sprain. Dwayne Wade has said, there's, I don't really want to go. You know, it's summertime. I make millions of dollars. I don't really want to go play for almost nothing in Turkey. Um, but now Jerry Colangelo, who heads up the basketball Olympic side of the fence, he says there's no free passes to London in the Olympics. Now, why are London and the Olympics so important? Because Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, they want to show themselves off. Because when they show themselves off to the world, their shoe sponsors, Nike, says, hey, uh, we're going we're gonna to give you more money. Because suddenly people around the world are seeing you slam dunk massive, awesome basketball player you. So we're going to give you more money. So now what's going to happen here is Jerry Colangelo is saying, hey, if you don't play in the, the 2010 World Championships, you don't play in the Olympics. So what's going to happen is Dwayne Wade and LeBron James likely will have to go to Turkey because they'll get pressure from Nike. This is big money. This is huge money. And the only way to really figure this out and to make an intelligent you know, decision is to understand that basketball is an international sport. And if you want to make a $100 million deal with Nike you got to go play in Turkey if you want to go play in London. And Nike wants you to play in London where they ain't going to give you $100 million. So that's the the NBA story of the day. Don't typically get too many of those on this show. But when I do, I sneak them in. Go to Derek in Los Gatos. Derek? Hey, Rob. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I, I'm, it's very Friday. I'm, I'm losing energy. I'm heading to the finish line. So probably in about an hour from now, the show will be worth listening to to see if I just crash and burn. One hour, just uh, all you do is pull it together for one hour. <laughs> pull it together for one hour. Get a hold of yourself, man. <laughs> you know, take a little Zoloft. I, I, you know, if you have a Zoloft, bring it by three forty Townsend. I, I'll take any prescription drugs. I don't. You don't have to have. Just put them in a, a little, a little baggie for me. I don't. I don't need to know what they are. It's gonna be prescription drug weekend. The <laughs> prescription drug roulette. There you so, go. So anyway, I totally digress, Derek. What's up? 
That's okay. Hey, um, so I've called before, and uh, I uh, I own some property, and one of them is a, a condo that obviously has is, is lost value. I think uh, I'm – so I own it outright. It's worth about 420 now. I bought it for 360 a few years back, uh, paid cash for it, so I've, I've never really had a mortgage on it. So I'm thinking is selling it off uh, and – just basically just parking the money in a, in a couple funds and just let it grow. What's your, uh, what's your opinion on that? You're doing I mean, right it. now. I, re- I rent it out for uh, two grand a month. Okay. You rent it out for two grand a month. So that's about 24 K per year, right? Right. That's not, that's not a bad rate of return. It, yeah. And it's uh, it's a newer condos. So there's really not a lot of upkeep to it. Are you still doing a lot of depreciation on it? Uh, I've got no, I haven't, I haven't done any depreciation on it yet. Oh, you so should. You so should. Um, as far as a rental property goes, um, I think that's a pretty good rate of return. That's about 4% on your money. Right. Um, so the question is, Derek, is where do you want to put it to get more than 4%? And if you put it somewhere, will the risk of the principal that it is in the house, i.e. $420,000, will that principal be at risks elsewhere? getting you 4%. Like, for instance, if you were to put all that 420000 into a California muni bond, getting you 5%, I feel pretty good that if you pick the right muni bond, you're going to be a winner in the muni bond. Now, if you're going to put all that money in Apple, I feel pretty good that it's going to go up and get better than 4% returns per year for the next five years. But then again, if Steve Jobs, you know, if his kidneys blow up and he gets cancer again, then you may lose some of that principle. So I think it's really a question of how much risk do you want to take on, Derek, because You've got a pretty conservative, a pretty nice yield, 4%, um, a little bit more than 4% on, on your money there. So I, I don't know if I really want to push you into making a decision. Dan, you, uh, you're the one that's always talking about don't ever pay your mortgage down. <laughs> well, oh, no. No, I, I'm not always saying that. I'm saying for most people don't. I wish, Derek, you didn't. I think right. I think you would have more cash flow and you would be able to fund other assets well, this asset's generating pretty nice cash flow for you. I think you made a little bit of a mistake on that. So don't don't snicker at me and say that, you know, use my words against me because I wanted to have paid it off. And you know what, Derek? If a big old earthquake hits your house, then you're out $420,000. You might recoup 300 of that. So there's risk there. And uh, again, I don't like giving my cash to the bank and saying, here you go. I'd rather keep it on my side of the fence because when push comes to shove and I need money or access to money, the bank ain't going to give it to me, or I don't know if the bank will give it to me, but I know I'll give it to myself. So right. I'd rather you earn income than save interest. And yes, you're saving interest. You're not doing a lot of depreciation. I'm not quite sure why. Um, so I'd get a good accountant because I think you could do it a little bit smarter, Derek, than you're currently doing. I'm, I, okay. I think you did a good job, though. It sounds like you found a good place that's rentable, it's new, and you got good cash flow from it. So I'm proud of you. So there's well, no right. Thanks, re- thanks very much. And keep in mind, there's no right answers. You know, a lot of times I, I give you my best opinion, but you know, if you have got a spouse who cries in the middle of the night, like <laughs> stock market's going to go to hell, not, economy's going to hell, then you don't really have business being in, you know, investments. So you got to kind of watch yourself on that. So a couple of emails, shall we? 800 345 Five six three nine to get your calls on the air. You can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. This guy, Mike, says, I wish I would have listened to your radio show back in 2006 when I purchased a way upside-down property in Lincoln, California. 
I get now why you say don't invest in properties and especially don't buy them in the desert. Long story short, my wife had a friend who bought a place out there. When we went to visit, she talked my wife into buying a place out there. It's currently rented, but we're upside down every month by over $1,000. Can we walk away from this financial blunder? We've got a five-year arm interest only that's set to adjust next year, as well as fixed rate second loan. Can we walk away from one or both loans? Uh, what I would do is, <laughs> he signs it sinking in Lincoln. You know that whole sleepless in Seattle? I don't know if I like the, let's play off that and go sinking in Lincoln. So, Mike, my advice is to probably consult with a real estate attorney and find out what you have as far as loans go. California has not said that they will forgive all walk-away short sales. Um, you may be looking at a foreclosure. You may be looking at a short sale. Um, but what I really want you to do is find out what sort of liability you're going to have on those loans, if they're recourse or not. Hopefully, and Governor Schwarzenegger says he'll sign it. He just doesn't want it as part of other bills. Hopefully, California does something where they will forgive much like the federal government will forgive your taxes on anything that you walk away from is because that's considered earned income. If you're forgiven a hundred thousand dollars, so you'd be taxed at state level of a hundred thousand dollars, nine and a half percent. I'd find out what your liability is and, and maybe prolong this a little bit so that you wait for Schwarzenegger to sign that bill or file a tax extension at the very least. Cause I do think it does get signed. Um, would I walk away? I'd walk away. So when I foreclose, I'd foreclose, but I'd get the right legal advice before I do that. One more quickie email. Um, this one comes to me uh, from Mike. He says, was listening to your show. I must be popular with Mike's. My ratings are up with men, but my ratings with Mike's, I think I'm number one. I uh, was listening to your show yesterday on 910. I heard a caller ask to email you. I own a home in Sausalito, purchased in October 2007 for $1.8 million. Have a seven-year interest-only loan at 6.62%. Um, I've been trying to refi unsuccessfully. The home was appraised at $1.8 million by the bank a month ago. We owe $1.4 million on the loan. I work for myself, a tech recruiter. I make $330,000 a year. I used to make $400,000. We've got about $180K in the 401K and another forty k in stocks. Am I out of my mind staying in this home, or should I try to sell while I get the chance? Just know your risk. You have an interest-only loan, and the bank's not willing to refinance you at this time. Will they be in two years? I don't know. It's interest-only. What I would do if, if you stay, start building a massive cash reserve so that you have more options. Like maybe the bank will say in two years, Mike, oh, yeah, we'll refi if you put you know, another 10 15 20% into equity. So if you stay, you got to build up some cash flow, and you got to start paying down that loan. Cash flow on your side or paying down that loan. You're in an interest-only loan that's going to expire, and right now the banks aren't willing to play. So you have a bit of a problem sitting on your hands coming down the road. So can you resolve it before then? If I made $330,000 a year, that solves a lot of problems down the road. So I just want to go, I'd, I'd, I'd start being a little bit more frugal and start having a little bit more emergency money so that you have some options when that loan does expire. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. 30 minutes from now, 25 minutes from now, I'm going to be giving away Dan Rusinowski's shark tickets. Uh, it's going to be a call-in kind of game, so write down the number, 800-345-5639. But right here, right now, let's go to break, and when we come back, headline news. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.